man, Elder Hart, I'm going to turn this over to you. Praise the Lord. The scripture says, hereby shall the world know that you are my disciples. How's the world going to know that we are his disciples? Love? Not just any kind of love. Because you show love to them? It's not what the scripture says. The scripture does not say the world will know you're his disciples because you show the world love. And we should show his love to the world. The scripture says the world will know that you and I are his disciples by the love we have one for another. They will see the manifest love of God between the disciples of Christ. So if you and I were to let our eyes spiritually cover this entire room and take a moment and let our heart and our spirit land on every individual in this room, one by one, each one of us, if we were to do that, and allow the Spirit of God to lead us in relationship to every single individual in this room, not for anybody else, for me, for you, the world will know if you and I are his disciples by our love for one another. You want the world to know him? You want the world to know that you are his disciple? It will be a result of your manifested, the love of God being manifested through you to each and every part of the body of Christ. And if there is a part of the body of Christ that you and I have trouble loving, then we better let the Spirit of God work that out of us, or else it's hindering our testimony to a lost world. They know we're his disciples by our love for one another. Why did the Lord choose that manner? Well, he's God. He can choose whatever manner he wants. But the reality is there's division throughout our world. But when they look at the church and they see a church that's made up of light-skinned and dark-skinned and, and different nationalities and cultures. And, you know, you look across this small group of people. We have Hispanic and Native American and is Saipanese a word? Is that a word, Brother Jerry? It is today, okay. And Filipino, and we have all these different cultures and, and hillbilly, right? You guys saw that with Brother Flowers and I. We, we, we have all these different cultures represented here today. How is it that the Lord could bring us together and there could be a love that's manifested one to the other? Is it because we've learned how to love people? No. It's because somewhere along the way, if we made the choice, we opted to become a conduit that he could love through us. Amen? It's why we have to Pursue unity in the body of Christ. Amen. It's why the enemy would like to bring division anywhere he can. In the body. Well, I'm saying that today, but somebody, we need to hear that. I want to love my brother. I want to love my sister. I want to do it not with some surface idea that, oh, I'm supposed to. So, But I want it to flow from the spirit of God. Amen. Praise God. I, um, 
I want us to go to the book of Acts today. I think I know where the Holy Ghost has taken us. I'm just not in a hurry to get there. I'm content to sort of move as he moves. You know, in the... Um, There really should be no, I think the Apostle Paul it was that said that there would be no schism in the body. The word schism is a place of division or dividing. Anything that's, whether it be out of joint or, uh, it's the design and the desire of the Lord that the body would be perfectly fitly framed together. So the enemy would like to try to bring schism or division in any way, place that he can. And uh, I know sometimes when you talk about these things, if you're carnal, you start thinking, oh, something must be going on. They're trying to address it. I'm just trying to follow the Holy Ghost right now. And so the enemy would love to try to bring schism, division in any way so that it would bring hindrance to the body. We live in a world that is full of division, uh, and it's getting stronger and stronger by the day and by the minute. It's why I have to limit any time I spend on social media because all those voices are divisive. Everybody vying for their place or their position or their point or their opinion, and that can be divisive. And so if we're not careful, that can creep into the body of Christ when we give ear to all that constantly, 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 or if you entertain the news all the time or really just about anything you listen to, it's going to be dividing, right? Somebody's going to take one side, somebody's going to take the other. We need to take a side. We need to be on the Lord's side. But I was, the Lord began dealing with me yesterday morning, I think it was. Lose track of the days sometimes. And... uh The Lord quickened the scripture to my mind. I had to go look it up. I didn't know where it was. Where the Lord said, I have not come to bring peace. But to bring a sword. And where the Lord said, I have come to set variance. Another passage of scripture reference, another one of the gospels referencing the same thing, used that word. Where the Lord said, I have come to put variance between And so I began to pray about that and think about that and thought, could it be that all this division that's starting to take place in the world and that's growing and growing and growing is actually clearly God's allowing it if it's happening? And so if he's allowing that, what is the church's place in all of this? What is our responsibility in all of this? Are we supposed to be social justice people that just seek to, well, let me just pull everybody together. Let me, mm, let me, you know, we may disagree, but can't we just all get along? And there's some churches that are promoting that idea. Well, we should just all get along. And, you know, we don't say anything that might offend somebody, even if it is the word of God and it's truth. So as children of God, we have to purpose to stand for the word of God. We must speak it in love. But we must understand that the vision in this world, you know what it's going to do? It's going to cause people to choose. And the Lord gives a choice. And the division is going to cause people to choose a side. But it's also doing something else if you haven't realized this already. All of this division is elevating the church. Some might say negatively. The Apostle Paul said some preach Christ of this, some preach Christ of that. He said some preach it out of this and some preach it out. He said, I don't care either way as long as Christ is preached. And so there are things that have even hit the news just in the last couple days. I had some caring soul far from here. I have caring souls along the way in my life. I use that term facetiously. That every once in a while, whenever something happens that seems to be negative towards Christianity, they feel the need to 
send me the link to the news story and express their thoughts about it and seek to get my take, if you will. Got to be careful about people baiting you sometimes. And so they sent me the story about somebody, I'm not even going to repeat what it was, but somebody said something, made some statement about Christianity and the church and why they this or didn't that. And what it does, it keeps putting Christianity and the church in the spotlight. And so those that are going one way in the divisiveness that's in our world, all of a sudden the church becomes the enemy to their direction and Christianity becomes the enemy and there becomes this opposition to the church. I've been praying about that stuff. I didn't realize how much until the Lord started dealing with me yesterday. And the Lord took me back to the scriptures. Where he allowed the church to be brought to the forefront in the day. I mean, they didn't have internet, and I don't even know that they had newspapers then, but they had ways of communicating news, and the church was making news. And people didn't like the news the church was making. There were many that were opposed to what was happening and what was taking place in, with, and through the church and what the church stood for. And as a result, it brought persecution to the church. And it was all part of God's plan. Because it caused the church to choose. Am I in the church? Or am I religious? Am I walking in the spirit and truly a follower of Jesus Christ? Or am I just trying to be a good Christian? Because that's sort of cool right now. But it also served to push the church into the earth to become a shining light in a dark world and take the gospel to corners of the earth in that time. We must understand the Lord is at work. The Lord is at work. He knows what he's doing. I want to be a part of it, don't you? The scripture says in Matthew, I believe it is. Where the angel appeared to Mary and said, thou shalt call his name, what? Emmanuel in one place, Jesus. To Mary said, thou shalt call his name Jesus. There's a reason you're going to call him that. For he shall save his people from their sins. Well, if you stopped there at the name of Jesus, his people were the Israelites, of course, the Hebrew children. But thank God on the day that he was walking down into the Jordan, John the Baptist saw him coming, recognized the Spirit of the Lord on him, and the Holy Ghost illuminated to John, and he declared these words, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins, not of his people, but of the world. Brother Flowers was touching on that already. His name is Jesus. He'll save his people from their sins. John said he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We find this Lord Jesus Christ becoming a point of division for the religious world in the book of Acts. If you've been reading along, you've already gotten into that. I want to read a couple of places here today. Acts chapter number 3, starting with the first verse. It's good to have you in the house of the Lord today. Let me say while you're turning to Acts 3, we've mentioned a couple of times that we were going to give you some dates for, to set aside for focused prayer and fasting. Um, I'd like you to look with us, if you will, at that week of January the 14th through the 18th. January the 14th through the 18th. Setting aside that time for focused prayer and fasting. Um, We'll let you know more. Uh, we may look at times of opening the church for prayer. We'll see how that goes. We'll wait on the Lord there. But would you please look at setting time there, whether it be two days, three days, all week. Um, but of separating ourselves unto the Lord and waiting on him. Amen. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. 
Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. I know many of us know this verse. And then Peter said this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lift him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood, walked, and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran to... You got this picture? See this picture happening here in the temple? All the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people. He could tell they had some questions. So he answered before they even got to ask him. He answered the people, you men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? He said, we didn't do this. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son, Jesus whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are his witnesses. Watch verse 16. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him, that's by the Lord Jesus Christ, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. What a picture that must have been. The scripture tells us where we read that they, whoever they were, laid this man there daily. Thank God for they. Amen? Thank God for they. We don't know who they were. We don't know their name. We don't know their face. But they were faithful in their part. And because they were faithful, this man was there in God's timing. They laid him there daily. And so... All the people that came and went from the temple knew this man, saw this man. They knew his state. No doubt many of them had passed by and somewhere along the journey in their life and their faithfulness of coming and going to the temple had dropped a coin in his cup or whatever he had that collected coins. And they had maybe, some of them maybe knew his name and spoke to him or not. I don't know what that was like, but they laid him there daily. And so there was no way people could have had a pattern of coming and going to the temple without knowing who this man was. Or at least some recognition of who he was, whether they knew him in any intimate way or not, of course, would be vary from individual to individual, I'm sure. But they knew who he was, and that's why on this day when Peter and John saw him, and by the name and the authority of the name, spoke the name of Jesus and declared that authority, that he would get up and walk. And when he did and went with them into the temple, for the first time he entered into the temple, because you understand in his lame condition, he could go no further than the gate called beautiful. Because, one, because of his lameness, because of the 
affliction in his body, he was not allowed under the law to go into the temple. The gate was as close as he could go. And so what he was doing was he was getting as close as he could to the temple. But the law kept him from going any further. And so he was right there at that gate called Beautiful Study the Temple sometime. And it's layout in the gates. And you'll understand that was the main gate that people went and came by. And because he was lame, that was as close as he gets. So there he was. And so people would see him. And there he was. And they recognized his face. And, but this day, Peter and John realized when he spoke to them, the quickening of the Spirit of God in their life, the Word of God pricked their hearts when he cried out to them and they responded to the beckoning of the Spirit of God and said, look at us. When he looked, they declared the name and the authority of the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, they took him by the hand and said, rise up. And he did. By the name of by the authority of the name of Jesus. And he went with them. The scriptures say leaping and dancing. Leaping and praising. Walking and leaping and praising. Now some people probably thought he was making a fool of himself. No doubt he drew some attention. But it would be easy to judge him if you'd, if you'd always been able to walk. It'd be easy to judge him if you'd been in the temple. This is his first opportunity to walk, at least for a long time. And his first opportunity to enter into the temple. And so because he's leaping in the temple and praising God, it draws a crowd. No doubt some of the crowd just wanted to see what's going on. But as they begin to gather and see what was going on, they begin to recognize him. That's whatever his name was. We don't know. But they recognized him. I believe that with all of my heart. Maybe not everyone, but many of them, because he'd been there so long, so often, and they'd passed him. They recognized this is the man that was at the gate. But he's walking, he's leaping. And they had seen his state for years and saw a change. And so they come and they're marveling at this. They're surprised to see this. They're amazed at what they're seeing with their natural eye. And they're trying to understand it. And Peter, they're still under the influence and the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And filled with the Holy Ghost, recognizes the question that's in their spirit. You understand, you and I, where we live, work, walk, day by day, there are questions in the hearts and the minds of people that are trying to understand, what is it about you? What's going on with you? How come is it when you're, why is it that when you're around me, something is different? Why is it that when I talk to you, something takes place in the exchange that I don't understand? And they may not have the boldness to ask that question, but we've got to have the boldness of the Spirit of God to recognize when it's being asked and say, let me tell you why this is taking place Peter recognized the question of their spirit trying to understand what was going on and so he spoke up and he said hey why are you acting surprised at what you see why do you marvel at this why does it seem strange to you let me tell you what's going on right here some of you standing under the sound of my voice it was just a few days back that you were crying out crucify him and there was that one called Jesus Christ that you chose to put on a tree but he's rose again from the dead. And by his name and through the authority of his name, this man stands here whole before you. And he declared to them the name and the authority of the name of Jesus. It was an example and a testimony to you and I that we should make sure and we should know. Make no mistake about it. We are people of the name of Jesus Christ. There are many who use the name that are not people of the name. We are people of the name of Jesus Christ. It's why when we are baptized in water, we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. All power and authority is in the name. 
When we're baptized, we take on the name. We're entering into a covenant. And the covenant is with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we enter into those waters in covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We take on His name. And so we're called to walk, live, and proclaim the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Now watch. It's an interesting pattern when you start reading here through Scripture. So Peter has said this. He's done this and. He, he goes on, we won't read all 26 verses in chapter number 3, but he goes through and he begins to talk about all these things. And notice what he says in verse number 19. He, after telling them, you know, you crucified him, it's through his name and faith in his name this man was made strong. Verse 19, he says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And notice what he says to them. And he shall send Jesus Christ. wonder how they felt about that. He shall send Jesus Christ. Now, if you believe in three gods, you've got a lot of issues with this verse right here. He shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. What was he saying? He was saying he's going to send the Holy Ghost. Why do we know that? Because we can go back to the book of John. And in the book of John, chapter 14, I believe, we find the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to his disciples. And he says, the Father will send the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, and he will send it in my name. And so this is what the apostles were declaring. Peter was declaring on this day. He will send Jesus Christ unto you. That's the promise that they had heard from the Lord Jesus in John 14. He's going to send it in my name. And so Peter was declaring what he had heard from the Lord Jesus himself. It's going to be sent in the name of Jesus Christ. And so he just took it all in the name of and said, Jesus Christ is going to be sent to you. When you and I are baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ has been sent to us. It's why we need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because when we're filled with His Spirit, it is that same Spirit that will quicken your mortal bodies when the trumpet sounds. And that will take us out of here. If that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall also quicken your mortal bodies. You understand this morning, that's why it's not enough just to believe. But the flowers quoted that verse and referenced it. It was turned into my spirit early this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. It doesn't say would not perish. It says should not perish. That lets me to know that people can believe and still perish. Because believing alone is not enough. We can't just believe in the name. We've got to know the name and the authority of the name. And we've got to be filled with the very Spirit of God. It's what will quicken our spirit and lift us out of here. And so we find Peter declaring this to these people. Now it's interesting the turn this takes. Go to chapter 4, the first verse. We're still in the same context. We're still in this story. This man has been healed by the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. And Peter has declared these things about the name to, at this point, you can see later on in Scripture, I don't know if we'll read it or not, about 5,000 people are hearing this story. And some it's touching about 5,000. See, you just thought maybe there was 100 or 200 around the temple. You read through chapter 4, you'll see somewhere along the way in this short space of time, this story and this testimony of what happened through the name and the authority of the name and Peter talking to people. There's 5,000 people that are hearing this. It's a little more than 20 or 30, isn't it? Verse 4, or verse 1 of chapter 4. Peter's preaching, talking to the people. The others that are with him, whoever else was there, Peter and John at least. John's probably talking to some people over here now. Peter's still preaching to these. and They're, they're flowing in ministry. And as they spake unto the people, the priests, oh good, spiritual people, right? 
not so much. The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees. See, all of these are religious people. They came upon them. They came upon Peter and John and all this. Now watch verse 2. You'd think they'd be thrilled. They came upon Peter and John and the man that was lame who is no longer lame. And they were grieved. Isn't that interesting? It's unique to me. That people who were proclaiming. Their desire to follow God and point people to God were grieved when God truly began to manifest himself. I've wondered about that. Why were they grieved when God began to manifest himself? And I've come to the understanding, the realization, clearly not of my own accord, but the opening of understanding, I believe, by the Lord and by anointed men of God teaching. That the manifestation of God took away from their desire for attention and of their own kingdom and of their own positioning. And their desire to be the one that people look to and the one that people. And so now these common men are being used of God. And God is doing powerful and amazing things through common men. And these who have really lifted themselves up and gotten themselves in place and position. is stealing some of their glory. Well, it's putting the glory back where it should be on Christ alone. And so they're grieved. And notice, they're not grieved that the guy is walking. They're grieved that these men are teaching the people. And they're grieved that they're teaching and preaching through Jesus. Resurrection from the dead. So what did they do? They laid hands on them, put them in hold till the next day, for it was evening, or even tide. Howbeit, here's that number, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers, elders, and scribes, so they got more people together. They got quite the entourage. Verse 6, And Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest. Man, they got everybody together. All of the family, isn't that what kindred means? All the kindred of the high priest, they really, they went and got everybody I guess they were trying to get a crowd to offset the crowd that was responding to what took. I don't know. They were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they'd set them in the midst, so they took Peter and John out of the hold, put them in the middle of all this group of religious people. No doubt they gathered everybody that thought the same as they did. Right? Got them all and put them right in the middle of them. You got this picture. Here's Peter and John in the middle of the, surrounded by high priests and all their kindred and Annas and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all their kindred. And they put them in the middle of them. And they ask, I want you to notice their question. By what power or by what name have you done this? You know what that really says. By what power or under whose authority are you operating? That's exactly what they were asking. When they asked the question, by what name? That's exactly what they were saying. By what power or in whose name is this authority being exercised? Why? Because they did not understand what had took place. And they couldn't resist the fact that that man had been at the gate beautiful and was now walking. And they couldn't try to fabricate some story like they had about 
the guard saying, well, we fell asleep and somebody came and moved the stone. See, they'd worked their story there to try to deal with what they couldn't explain. But here, they couldn't hide this. This was quite different. This man had walked. This man, everybody had passed by and seen him. They couldn't say, oh, he's got a twin brother. Or, you know, there was no way to hide this one. And so they had to get some understanding here. Tell us, by what name and by what authority are you operating? See, the authority Peter and John were operating under was a threat to religious tradition. It was a threat to religiosity. Hear me this morning. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. You and I, if we have been buried in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with His Spirit... We are called to walk a spirit-led life where we walk, live, work, and move in the name and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. And when you and I begin to live, work, move, and operate that way under His leading, His anointing, and His authority, you should know that we're going to be a threat to the religious world around us. really didn't see this going. Are we trying to be a threat to them? We're not trying to be anything. We're trying to be, except yielded vessels to the one whose authority we are under. Yielded vessels to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Yielded vessels to the one who has bought us with a price. Purchased us for His purpose. But we're called to walk in this self-same authority and the calling of God. So they asked this question. So Peter, of course, said, well, I think I can answer that. Watch verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Or, you could read this way and still be the same, by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Fast forward with me to verse number The religious leaders couldn't do anything else. And so they threatened them. Don't speak anymore in the name. And go. I remember... A few years ago, I don't remember if it was um, maybe someone here in the room does. I don't guess it fully matters who, but it was a few years ago um, at a presidential inauguration where I think it was uh, Franklin Graham that prayed. Anybody remember that? Is that right? Okay. And it may have been all the way back to Bush. It's, it's been a while back. It's been a while back. Anyway, like I said, whichever president it was at the moment, doesn't matter. But he was asked to pray. And one of the expressions was one of the things that they're told, apparently, when they pray is that they can pray to God and use an expression of God, but avoid the use of names. Because, you know, there's God. And if we say God, people have different gods. To some, Allah is God. To some, this is God. But uh, we don't want to offend 
one or another. And so Franklin Graham prayed. And when he finished, he said, in the name of Jesus. Well, there was an uproar. There was an uproar. I think you probably know this, but let's just make sure today, okay? There is only one God. And his name is Jesus. We are not all following some God that's just the one God and we call him different names. That's a lie from the pit of hell. There is only one God. His name is Jesus. His is the only name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name that can save us. There is no other name that can wash away sins. There is no other name but the name of Jesus that belongs to the one true living God. We need to make sure we understand that, not just because we say it, but the Word of God declares it and it is true. And hear me today. There will come a time as the Lord tarries where we will be persecuted for the name. Jesus said it himself. All men. You'll be persecuted, he said, for my name's sake. We are people of his name. And we have authority in his name. And we must Come to know him in the fullness of his desire to be known. And the only way that's going to happen is through personal relationship and prayer and spending personal time getting to know him in his word. Now notice, I didn't say getting to know his word and we should know his word. But we must get to know him through his word. I don't care if you can quote this book from Genesis 1-1 all the way to Revelations 20 and 22 or 22 and 21, whatever it is. If you can quote it from front to back, that doesn't mean you know him. I must know him. You must know him. And we must become conduits through which this power and authority and spirit flows to change the world in which we live. This is his design and his desire. This is what he exampled to us in the three and a half years that we have recorded of his history walking the earth. I want you to stand with me today. I am praying that the Lord would baptize us with a fresh revelation of the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. That our minds would be released from anything that would cloud the revelation of who he is and his desire to work in, with, and through us individually and collectively as the body of Christ. But that we, by his calling and his ordaining, would walk in power and in demonstration of his spirit as men and women of God under the authority of God and in the authority of his name. Jesus said you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Unto me. That's what he said. Jesus said those words. That we would be witnesses unto him. You say, well, I am. I talk about him a lot. 
Well, it's good to talk about him. His desire is to manifest himself. And he does that when we begin to talk about him. But the way he begins to manifest himself through us is when we, like Peter and John, have spent time with him. We read it there, one of the last verses we read. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Not that they just talked about him. But they had been with him. You want to affect lives of those around you? You're not going to do it, and I'm not going to do it by just talking about him. It's going to affect lives. He's going to operate through you and I and affect lives through us when we have been with Him. And we've spent time with Him. And they begin to recognize, I don't know what it is yet, but there's something happening. And you begin to open your mouth and speak. And evidence comes forth that's not just a word of your own doing, but is the operating of the Spirit and authority of God through your life that testifies you have been with Jesus. And because you've been with Him, He manifests Himself to them. And they may question what they're seeing, but they can't question what has taken place. Just as they did in Acts 3 and 4. They were questioning what they saw. How is it possible? But they could not deny that it had happened. So it can and will be through mine and your life. That they can't deny what takes place. Not because we produced it. But because we've been with him. And he produced it through us. This is his desire in the earth in this hour that we live in. In the world where we live. Would you talk to him with me right now? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. He's not asking any of us to do this in our own effort and ability. But through His name and through faith in His name, by the authority of His name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let the authority of that name work in your life this morning. In the name of Jesus. Why don't you find a place to pray and talk with Him. Fellowship Him. Let the revelation of His name and His word come clear and afresh today. Hallelujah. Come on, through His name, that situation that you're aware of can be changed. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, nothing is too hard for Him. Nothing is beyond His reach. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, as people of your name today, Father, we stand in faith, we stand in boldness, not of our own doing, but of a working of your Spirit in, with, and through us today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Ramateo, Kia 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 Ramateo, Kia
thank the Lord one more time. Jesus, I thank you for your spirit, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for your spirit, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. There's been a verse that's been on my mind all of service and and just with everything that's been spoken, I know that it's the voice of the Lord that's put it on my heart. And it's the scripture that says that he's not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. And what that verse means, if it's not plain enough, just the way the Lord has showed it to me is that word, a spirit of fear, is spirit of intimidation, something that would cause us to back down when opposition comes, and not that we're looking for a fight, obviously, but we know there's division in this world. We know there's a separation of light and darkness. We know that at times that there's going to try to be gray areas creep in. There's going to try to be things that cause us to back down in a certain area, whether it's a standard or a belief but he's not given us a spirit of fear. 
And with his spirit, with the Holy Ghost, what comes is a spirit of love. And then his power and a sound mind. A sound mind is a mind that knows it's saved. That knows it's secure. That knows that darkness all around. I'm secure in the light of his spirit. Amen. So thankful. One more time, if we can just thank him. And while we're thanking him, just receive of his spirit of love. Receive of that spirit of power. Receive of a sound mind in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We receive of your spirit of power, O oh God, to be witnesses of you in this world. Though there's darkness all around, Jesus, we have your spirit within us that shines in this world. We have a spirit of boldness, O oh God. We may be ignorant and unlearned, Jesus, but if we have spent time with you, it'll show in our character. It'll show in our actions. I thank you, Jesus, for your boldness. Thank you for your love, God, that flows through us. And the sound mind that we have. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we receive of these things of you, Father. We walk in them by your grace, Jesus. Every day we walk in them by your grace. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He's so good to us. Amen. Just one other quick thought that I'll leave with you. We, as we've waited on the Lord this service, I've just been on my heart. We we come into the presence of God, we wait on Him. We worship him, and we work for him in a way. And something this morning, actually, in my devotional brought me understanding is sometimes we think we have to do each of those three things separately. We think we have to wait on him. Now, okay, we're going to move into the worship service. Now, okay, we're going to do what we need to do. But what I've seen and has been evident in this service is that God doesn't necessarily need us to separate all those things. As we're waiting on him, we can be worshiping him. And as we're worshiping him, which was so powerful at the beginning of service, we were, we were warring. We were, Brother Lewis came up and speaking in tongues and in Spanish. I just, it was so evident that what we were doing was going so far beyond this room and so far beyond this congregation. But it was reaching, as Brother Flower said, it was reaching to the world. It was reaching to the city around us because we were waiting on him. But he was using that waiting on him for his purpose, for his work, for his kingdom. And so it's uh, just something I wanted to leave with you guys. Uh, it's been an honor and privilege to be back home for a few weeks. And uh, keep, I will definitely keep you all in prayers and miss you guys. Have a blessed rest of your Sunday and a happy 2019. Amen. God bless you.